You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we continue on with our Nip Tuck rewatch. We are into the third season now. Amazing to think that here we are, another season beginning. And uh, very excited to talk about this season, as we are to talk about every single season, because with every new season of Nip Tuck brings a whole bunch of new things to chat about. We've got new characters, we've got new moments and new everything else and really outside of the first two seasons kind of uh these are the seasons that i've probably seen the least although obviously uh seen them probably a little bit more than our other co-hosts which we'll obviously discuss at that point in just a moment but uh the episode of course we are talking about is the season three premiere it is entitled mama boon it first aired on the 20th of september 2005 and it was written by ryan murphy directed by elodie keen and I'm going to start off by saying that my name is Ben, and I'm tired of masturbating myself to sleep at night. <laughs> and I'm Nick, and uh, I'm not like you. I feel things. <laughs> good good to know. Um, hopefully that we don't connect the dots in between the two lines that we just went with there. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting to be back. Obviously, we had a recap episode last week, and we talked a little bit about uh, Season 3 here. And, I mean, without kind of going into too much details about this season overall, as I kind of said, it's, out of all the seasons, it's one I've probably seen the least... Um, I mean, as in from this point on, I've seen season one and two the most and kind of from these episodes onwards are the ones I've seen the least. But I mean, I still remember a fair bit as I kind of alluded to at the end of our uh, season two recap. You know, it's a, it's an interesting season. Um, I, I think this is a more of a hit and miss season in terms of, uh, the episodes as compared to the first two, which are mainly hits. Um, so I think we're going to have a lot more spread of, uh, diversity in terms of the quality of these episodes moving forward. But, uh, I will just add in terms of, um, just a little weird thing is that this was the first episode I remember actually watching basically alongside the US. I'd kind of stopped watching it on Australian TV at this point and sort of acquired it through other means on the internet, which may or may not have been legal. Uh, so um, that was kind of my history with this one moving forward. Because we, as we kind of touched on, I think, with um, the season two and season three spread is the fact that... Um, there was a big gap in between these airings because from this point on, Nip Tuck became sort of your your prime show in terms of the regular TV season in the US rather than a summer show. And with that in mind, uh, you nearly had a 12-month gap in between the finale of season two as opposed to the premiere here. The, the finale was on October the 5th, 2004, and this premiere, as I just mentioned, September 20th, 2005. So big gap. And um, yeah, as we, I think we also discussed, Nick, uh, we've, we've gone from peak, peak nip-tuck to kind of some uh, very interesting things moving forward now with this show. Well, I think you probably hit the nail on the head there that it's a bit hit and miss. I think um, there's still some real high moments going forwards. Um, and, you know, I, I think that we still have heaps to talk about and some really interesting stuff to talk about. And I think when the show gets it right, it's still really good. And definitely, the, and I think this episode actually kind of encapsulates that entirely. You know, like there's some really quite emotional, big moments in this episode. and They weren't quite where I expected they'd come from. Um, and there were some moments I really didn't like. Um, and yeah, so I think probably in a lot of ways, this season kind of feels like it was really kind of captured by what you see in this first episode. Yeah. And it's, as I was kind of alluding to off air with you just a second ago, it's, it's a weird one, this episode. I mean, even kind of when you move into the next episode, I feel that the next episode, we, we go back a bit and into sort of what we're used to with Nip Tuck. This one, it almost doesn't feel like a Nip Tuck episode. It, it it really kind of feels almost, in many aspects, a different show. And 
it's I've always found this to be one of the weirdest episodes of Nip Tuck that you kind of when you're binge watching this show and you got a vibe of what this show is about. This one always stands out to me as just one that's kind of like is this really in with the show itself? And uh, yeah, it, it could be really seen kind of like the hit and miss moments of this season. And it's not just this season. I mean, moving forward, you know, I think each of these seasons now really gets into the parts where you have some hit and misses. I'm going to defend a lot of next season compared to this season because I think fourth season is the forgotten season. And a lot of people say that's where it really started to turn bad. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that this season has a lot more miss episodes than season four does which um you know it's going to be interesting to compare them but yeah this, this episode to me kind of is is a real you know odd one on the grand scheme of nip tuck yeah i think that that's probably a good way of describing it really it's an odd one um that doesn't mean it's good it doesn't mean it's bad um i think it's just a little bit weird um yeah it's the it's the survivor nicaragua of nip tuck episode <laughs> yeah we've just had the peak of heroes vs villains and we're now into uh the next season <laughs> yeah. which we're like oh okay well we're falling down a little bit but uh, it's got its merits yeah yeah um yeah but yeah, obviously we we start off, you know, I mean, kind of the the previously little flashbacks to, to kind of remember what happened, given that it's nearly been a year since you would have seen this on TV. But uh, interesting, the obviously our big cliffhanger that we end on with Christian getting attacked uh, with the carver over him. Now we did not hear him say "Beauty is a curse on the world" as he went to attack him. I just thought that was a little bit of an interesting addition they added to that previously on scene. Uh, we know that that's the carver's catchphrase. But, um, I mean, I don't know if you picked up on that, that they kind of dubbed that over that scene where he attacks Christian, because he did not say that in that final scene when we saw it. Yeah, I guess they're just trying to, you know, get get all the, the Carver's greatest hits all in, in one neat little package here, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, basically, we've all been waiting. What's happened? Is Christian dead? We've seen the, the big conclusion, and Christian's dead! Sort of. Um, <laughs> we see crime scene, you know, Christian's on the bed, Sean, oh, that's him. And then we get to this funeral and uh, everyone's talking about him and, um, you know, Kimba, he's so beautiful. And what is, um, uh, was it Julia that said Christian is complicated? Uh, we got Liz in a suit uh, who basically says he's so arrogant that he thought he was the only straight guy who could actually convert me. Um, just remember that, people. Remember that. <laughs> um, uh, we get Sean sort of, you know, his nice little line when he's saying, oh, I asked for a brother and I got one. And, you know, we see Matt and he's um, weird. He's gone from a mullet now to a mop. I don't know what's happened with his hair post-Ava, but um, just don't get used to it. There's a lot of hair issues in this episode, I think, <laughs> um, which... which- Make sure I point that out as we go ahead. Right, but anyway, right, yeah. I'll, I'll remember that. But um, we obviously get all these kind of speeches. Um, they all well, actually, we, we, can go, we can go to that now. I mean, I, I, it's not like it's some big spoiler alert, but <laughs> I do love the fact that, you know, like when we when we get past the thing and it's kind of Sean and Christian talking, is that um, Christian's hair appears to have grown incredibly long overnight. <laughs> um, with, you know, like, Well, maybe not overnight, but within like a couple of days. And, um, you know, in the middle of all, everything else that's going on, um, Sean's had time to nip out and get a haircut as well. So <laughs> it's just kind of weird. Like, you know, it is funny how it was a year apart. But if we're looking at kind of consistency here, these guys' hairstyles are completely different from what they were, you know, in, in the finale of the last episode, which in the timeline of the show was like, you know, a few days ago at the very most. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you that. Like, is it kind of... Um is it that quick? I thought it might have been a couple of weeks based on them alluding to Christian not being there. Um, I mean, 
I've got some things to say about their reactions to Christian needing time to deal with it. Because if it's only a couple of days, then that makes Sean and Liz an even more assholes to poor Christian. <laughs> actually, no, you might, you might be, you might be right there. Actually, um, you know, so fair enough, it, it, it's possible because I guess um, that scar, you know, is at least a couple of weeks old, isn't it? Um, so no, you're probably right there. That, uh, so that could explain why. But, um, but even then, I think his hair's grown a little bit too much for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny, actually. Um, I, I mean, one example kind of tying into another show we're covering obviously third watch um i know in between the fourth and fifth season it ends on like this big cliffhanger and it's essentially the the fifth season premiere is taking you know minutes after the conclusion of season four yet in between hand one of the characters just happens to have had hair at the end of season four and in the next scene he shaved his head um and then it's like the, it's one of these like really bad continuity aspects if you watch the episodes back to back like yeah i can imagine that you know in the six months that pass in between the seasons you're going to forget that one of these characters had hair at the end of last season but when you watch it back to back and you realize that this scene is meant to take place like exactly after the end of season five you're like why has he shaved his head in like 30 seconds <laughs> it's like it makes no sense but uh yeah um this whole sequence here though uh spoiler alert well not really spoiler alert. you've obviously watched this episode if you're listening to our show uh christian's not really dead it's a dream he's talking to sean uh about this dream that he has and like it's cheesy but it actually kind of works because um you know you, you kind of go into a show like this and you expect it to be like oh he's not really dead we've seen the preview for the season so clearly he's not going to be dead um but just the way they kind of do this and kind of have his funeral i mean i don't know like i think it's kind of it's fitting in a way and even the way they kind of explain it with the dream it's kind of not like it's Christian waking up like you know it's like it's just him explaining it to Sean so I don't know if you kind of think it's over the top but I actually kind of like this the way they open it with that that sort of dream yeah no I'm not a fan of it I think um you know and if we're going to talk real time here you know this has been a year we've waited for this and I think if you know if you're watching this in real time how satisfied would you be that you know I think you either have to go with where you know, that Christian has been killed by the carver, which, you know, is probably unlikely. Or you have to kind of go the other way, which is Christian hasn't been killed, and let's see the fallout. And it does feel like these guys try and, you know, have have their cake and eat it too. They want it. They want to get that reaction of Christian's dead, but they actually don't want the ramifications for the show of Christian being dead. So I'm not a fan of it. It just feels like a cheat to me. Um, and it actually feels like, you know, whatever it is, if it's five or six minutes before we kind of get to what we all want to see, which is Christian and Sean having this conversation on the pier, which is pretty awesome. It's a good scene. Um, and I didn't need any of that, that funeral stuff. Like it was a complete waste of time to me. And, um, you know, one thing that we maybe haven't pointed out here is that this is a long episode as well. It's obviously, I guess an hour and a half with ads or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a long episode and, you know, I just feel like that's a completely wasted point in this, this episode. And it just, I think, this is kind of my problem with season three is that I think there's some great ideas here, some good concepts, but when it comes time to really stick the landing, when it really matters, you know, these big moments, I think that that's where they drop the ball. And this is exhibit A. I think is the first time we're going to see this is that, you know, this is a, this is a big moment. We've come back from a year waiting to find out what happened to Christian. And we kind of get this kind of non-answer, you know, like it's, it takes however many minutes to get to the real issue here, which is, you know, the, the two of them talking and, finding out that, that um, Christian's been raped by the car. One thing I think this episode, though, in terms of when they give a bit of the backstory onto, like, what happened to him, um, I don't know if they explain it that well in kind of the attack, because it's like, 
as, as we'll get to learn this season, the carpet doesn't kill. So, yet, at least. Spoiler alert, sort of. But, I mean, it's kind of interesting, like, how he warned Sean, like, you know, fix one of my, you know, masterpieces again and I'll kill you. So, like, clearly Sean keeps doing it. And so then he comes in and attacks Christian. And, I look, I can't remember off the top of my head if he... Um, if, if it's explained when the carver is revealed in the finale. It might be. But it's kind of like, he doesn't cut Christian's face like he usually does with the victims or Sean. He slices his neck. And then obviously we find out that he rapes him. So, like, what is the basis of the carver's attack here? It's not like he leaves a, a warning here or anything. Again, I, I might be missing the fact that it is explained later on as he's revealed. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's it's poorly explained I think kind of what actually happened to him, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think so, and I, you know, I think um, what we're supposed to get is that Christian kind of lays the blame at, at Sean's feet, really, doesn't he, for this attack? And and um, we're supposed to feel that that Christian is is not coping, and I'm not I'm not entirely sure how well. I think in some ways, I think that that story plays out really well, and in other ways, I think it just. You you kind of miss that point a little bit, or it's you know it's not played out quite how you expect it to be. And yeah, I don't know. It's like I say, I think the ideas are all good. I think potentially they're not executed that well. Yeah, and because I mean, there's a line here that Christian says when he's saying about like um, he owns us now. I mean, I don't really know if that's played out that much, uh, particularly not really to the end of the season, because, I mean, obviously this is a season-long storyline with the Carver, because, you know, this is, as we've alluded to, I guess the most watched season overall because people, you know, were intrigued by this whole Carver storyline. But um, it's kind of like by saying he owns us now, it's kind of... It's then glossed over a lot, isn't it, kind of, when we get to the whole Mama Boon stuff. So, and really in the first two episodes, we really don't get much Carver stuff really from here. So... Um, it's, it's kind of interesting that we have this big finale and then kind of, you know, we move into this and then it's like, he owns us now. It's like, well, well, does he, you guys seem to be going on pretty okay at this point. So, um, well, and I think the thing is too, is when he says he owns us now, it's like, well, no, he doesn't, you, you know, you could walk away from this. Um, you know, like, you know, obviously I think that that line doesn't play until they start going in and, and, you know, and helping more victims. Um, yeah, I, to me, I just don't feel that that line's quite in the right place. Mm, yeah, it's it's an interesting. I mean, like I think the scene overall is like as you said before, it's, it's a good scene. Um, and you know, we we obviously get, uh, you know, Sean obviously talking about things like because Christian can't go back to his apartment, um, because you know the dream I guess ends with his coffin getting stuck in the ground. So they're kind of you know alluding to the fact that well, I'm stuck. And then Sean says, well, you know, I couldn't shower in my shower and for an entire month after I got attacked. Um, and then, you know, it's basically Sean saying, look, you need to talk to me about this. And then we get the big reveal that Christian says, uh, he was raped. Um, and, uh, you know, it's obviously a bit confronting, like, cause obviously that was back when Sean, uh, got attacked. Christian sort of asked a question like, oh, did he, you know, and Sean's like, well, no, he didn't. But this time around, um, yeah, Christian, Christian has been raped in this situation. Um, and one thing I say, like the setting here, like they're on this pier and you know, I'm going to nitpick about this in terms of, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of starting to notice that Miami is kind of starting to fall out of play here in terms of the overall setting. Um, I actually had to look this up because I, I, to be honest with you, I wasn't completely familiar whether this show actually legitimately was filmed in Florida. Um, it wasn't, it was filmed in California. And I think that this shows at this point 
because that to me, like, yeah, okay, you could argue that's a pier on the ocean, that could be Miami, but just the way that looks, to me, that does not look like something that's in Florida, and I think kind of that really stands out, and um, yep. it's just it's just a nitpick for me there, and again, it's like I get that this is set in Miami, but to me, really now, it's starting to stand out that they're kind of forgetting where it's set, um, and even, yeah. you know, the next episode, which, you know, obviously we'll get to next week in terms of there's a scene when they're chasing through the streets and you kind of, you're looking at the number plates of the cars and they've conveniently placed one with a Florida number plate. But if you look at the other ones, they ain't Florida number plates. So, no, that, <laughs> um, it's, I think just the shape of that pier, you know, that kind of like lollipop shape, yeah. it just, to me, that just feels like, and I, you know, me being the, the very unwell traveled person that I am, I, you know, that just feels like a California type of thing. Like just the whole, you're right. Like it's hard to kind of put your finger on what it is, but it, it does kind of stand out as being quite California looking. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, they, they played quite, especially in season one, I think they really played quite close attention to the fact that it was in, in Miami. I think what will be interesting is, is, um, not to spoil too much, but we kind of get a little bit more into back into season one storylines in season four. So I think that will probably be the tell is that, you know, do we get, you know, because I think some of the stuff in season one really played into the Miami um, location, whereas the stuff here, it's, this could be happening anywhere. You know, it doesn't actually matter that they're in, they're in um, Florida. You know, that doesn't seem to matter too much. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, maybe we just kind of check back in with that next next season. Yeah, for sure. Completely agree. Um, we then... <laughs> you love this scene. Uh, we... we... <laughs> Um, even I forgot about this, actually. I knew he came back at some point, but I forgot it. I didn't think it was until a lot later on. Uh, we hear Julia moaning. Yay. Um, and we hear... Everyone's a winner on this one, aren't we? You, you're happy, I'm happy. Everyone's ha- happy with this one, aren't Jude's they? not happy. Uh- <laughs> 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 um, we hear Julia moaning. We hear her go, oh, Sean! And you're like, oh, okay. Yay, Julia and Sean have gotten back together. Oh no! Plot twist. Welcome back, Jude. Uh, <laughs> remember him? Um, whose hair? Also, speaking of hair, he's kind of got like a bob cut now or something. I don't know what's going on with his hair. Um, and yeah. for some reason, Julia is happily calling out Sean's name whilst getting being that happening to him, being gone down on by Jude. Um, and then. Yeah, basically, Jude is shitty because I think he wants more of uh, than just them having sex. And Julie's like, well, you know, we're just kind of having fun. And this is kind of going back to Jude's fake American accent, which, uh, you know, as we've kind of established, uh, the actor here is actually really is British. So to put on the American accent, it's like, we've been crazy for each other for the last two years. It just sounds so, <laughs> like, put on. Philip Reese is his name. Um, and I, I like when Julia says, like, um, oh, I liked you better with your fake British accent. Um, you know, and what, what is, uh, what does he say? Like, the shit's gotta get off the pot. Like, it just, it just does not sound natural at all. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're dying to talk about your bestie Jude here, aren't you? Yeah, I think it's really funny. Like, I, I, I think anyone would be pissed off if you're in that situation. And um, once once you've finished finished up with the lady, she says you're a clever boy, like you're a dog or something. You know, like I think it's just that, that's that's the height of kind of uh, you, you know you've got to be pissed off about that. So yeah, I mean, I, I I do kind of like the thing where you know she's obviously just in it for a little bit of fun um, to the point where she's quite happy to call her husband's name out um, while this is all happening. Um, and um, 
you know, like Judas, that line where he kind of says, oh, you know, we've been crazy for each other for two years. Or I think that maybe he has been, but I don't think we've had any indication that she has been. Certainly the story, you know, what we've seen on screen hasn't indicated that she's been crazy about him other than maybe a little bit of a a flirtation crush or whatever. Um, But certainly nothing more than that. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably... uh, yeah, probably probably something that um, because this is, is this the first time that, that we've actually seen the two of them doing something together? I yeah. know it was being alluded to, or maybe daydreams or whatever, but this is actually the first time we've seen the two of them, you know, yeah. um, intimately involved. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it is, and I, I kind of like the fact that they kind of bring him back in, kind of like as just a random little throwback, like, oh yeah, I remember Jude. Um, but I guess the good news. Oh yeah, oh, I, I'm actually yeah, I'm I'm not against it. I mean, I, I think the characters. Um, I think when he was kind of smarmy, annoying Jude, I didn't really like him all that much. But when he's a little bit more vulnerable, um, which is probably a bit of a theme, I think that's probably how I felt about Ava last last season as well. So we've probably got a, got a theme going on there. Well, uh, the good news uh, is that this is it. We don't see Jude anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hate it, to be honest. But um, yeah, I, and I think... Um, it's a tricky one, and I, I guess as we kind of go through these scenes, it'll be interesting to talk about how you think about the the, the Julia Sean stuff as a B <laughs> plot on this episode. Because you know, for me, I think it's almost it, it, yeah, it's not a bad B plot, but it's also if that stuff wasn't there, you know, would we? And I guess that you know, the whole point of a of a B plot is to is to break you away from the main story, especially if the main story is quite heavy and you need that break. Um, and you know, like I, I think that the the Julia stuff in this this episode is. It's obviously set up for for kind of the season arc for her, but it's it's you know it's take it or leave it stuff for me. Yeah, I don't mind it. Um, I you know I don't really have any strong takeaways from it though. It is what it is, and yeah, that's about it really. It's interesting that we didn't go with maybe a bit of a a catch up on Matt after everything that happened to him. That the B plot we decide to go with here is the Julia stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, to me the Julia Sean stuff, and obviously we'll get to some of these. Uh, it, this is where sometimes it gets a bit annoying, and I think kind of we've alluded to the, you know, oh, they're back together again, oh, they're broken up again, they're back to... Like, it just, to me, it's... While it was kind of the end of season two, you're kind of like, oh, okay, here we go, they're finally working out. It's just now it kind of gets back to this whole will-they-won't-they they shenanigans. Um, And, I mean, what happened to Kevin? I mean, where did Brian Heideck go? Why is Jude all of a sudden back in the picture? You know, well, poor Kevin. Um, <laughs> he's meant to play with some puppies or something like that, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's frustrating, um, to me a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. Obviously, there's a bit this episode still to go with that. But yeah, like, it's interesting with the Matt stuff. We don't really get resolution to Matt until next episode. So, it's kind of, this is why this episode's very weird to me. That it's kind of, this doesn't feel like this should be the premiere. You know what I mean? Um, I kind of think the next, yeah, I, the next I, episode probably. should be the premiere and this, the Mama Boone stuff should be the next episode. Yeah, I guess probably the Julia stuff for me is, um, I, I, I guess if you'd maybe gone with Matt, it could have been quite, it could be lots and lots of heavy stuff. And I, you know, I think potentially there's, you know, like, it, although the Julia stuff isn't light and fluffy, it's also not really, really heavy. I think, you know, it gives you the opportunity to, to bring in um, our favourite Erica and, and have a few kind of sassy lines from her. And I think it just kind of breaks up the the real tension that you kind of get throughout this episode. Yeah, there's really limited light stuff in this episode, I think, um, when it comes to this one. Um uh, Christian's back in his apartment. He's he sees his bed and the blood's on it, and he rips off the covers. And we hear a voice message on his uh, answering machine from uh, Detective Kit McGraw. This is my fourth message. Um, we'll get to her because oh, 
I like him and girl. Um, so uh, we'll get back to her. But uh, then we get our first surgery, really our only surgery. Well, I guess besides the main point of this whole episode, Ben. But um, random removal of boobs. Uh, the Obviously, the implants have blown. The silicon's leaking everywhere. We get stuck in the middle with you playing in the background. And I mean, I guess this is the theme of the episode, isn't it? Leaving something too long, um, you know, without... Uh, uh, you know, ignoring the problem, essentially. It's kind of the overall theme of this episode. So um, that's kind of the line there when Liz is like, oh, how has she left this so long? She said she noticed silicon leaking from her milk duts three years ago. Um, and then obviously we, we learn a little bit here that Christian is not back uh, doing surgery because it's taken them five hours, uh, essentially, to remove uh, silicon from one boob. They've got to go for another one. And as Liz says, this is a two-man job. Um, so, uh, he's going to do it tomorrow, but then he's got another surgery tomorrow. So we're going to hope that Christian shows up. Uh, that's kind of a theme of this one. Then we cut to, uh, Christian and Kimber watching porn. Um, of course they would be. They're clearly a couple again, uh, which again, it's just like, oh, they're back together. Cool. Um, and I like it when Kimber's like talking like, oh, when I did this scene, I was thinking of you and, oh, it was given four cocks up. But we've got one cock down here. <laughs> um, and then we. I want to know. I, I, I really want to know um, how I get a job with with Rollins and Shank, um, who gave it four cocks up. Yeah, I want that job too. I want like to a... review porn. Can we start off like the porn network? Like. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? I think, I think we, we literally start, start off every episode by like going, "Welcome to the porn network." Uh, I didn't get through all this movie. I only lasted five minutes. Nick, uh, how long did you last? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I gave it five tissues up. Yeah. I don't know how it ended. I know how I ended. Uh, but, <laughs> um, We're just going back to the um, to the, the surgery scene is that, um, that you, you know, I'm always the one that, that misses the music. And I think probably we get a little bit more mainstream with the music um, going forwards in the show. And I, and I think this is a really good case of it, you know, like a, a classic kind of Bob Dylan song. And it's an awesome song. And it obviously is a bit on the nose, which... Um, is, is sometimes a good thing um but but yeah i mean i really like the music choice i think it's really cool um and of course the other thing that i always like to uh, to keep a note on we're into we've got our brown scrubs going on so yes yeah there's a, a couple of little things that i always like to point out yeah no i i did mark that down that your, your favorite scrub colors and we get even more scrub colors in this episode too it's not just brown um yeah i do like the I'm, I'm, I'm not generally a brown kind of guy. Um, not a lot of brown in my closet, I have to say, but um, it, it does kind of look good as, a, as scrubs. I think it does work. I'm pretty sure they remain brown for most of this season from memory, don't they? Um, it's, it's the, you know, if you were going to put these, uh, you know, the, the collector's edition DVD Blu-ray set, you know, each of them would come in the, the scrub colour of that season, wouldn't they? So the, <laughs> the season three box set would be in brown I think. yeah no, no it's it's definitely um that's a good point coming soon to a dvd store near you um but we we kind of get this scene here uh obviously christian's still struggling i mean he obviously he's only revealed basically that he was raped i think to sean he hasn't told kimber and he obviously doesn't tell uh the detective mcgraw when that she comes into it um but like the, the overall theme of this episode i feel actually really bad for christian because like even if this has been like two weeks right Everyone's kind of a dick to him in terms of like him dealing with this attack. Like, you know. Ki- well, I think I think we can probably say that Sean's a bit of a dick. Um, d- you know, I, I'm assuming that he's the only one that knows that that Christian's been raped. Um, you know, is this something that you now? Obviously, they all know that Christian's been attacked. So they should be nice to him just on that basis. But does Kim know he's been raped? Because she might not be quite so keen to kind of 
jump his bones if she knew that he'd had a you know that he'd been sexually assaulted basically you know so yeah I, I, that's a bit of an unanswered question isn't it unless i missed something. no I, I i'm pretty sure like i'm as i kind of just said i think it's only sean that he's told but i mean even like to me I still just think that Kim is still is a little bit of a dick. Because, like, I mean, surely if you've been attacked, and, like, whether it's sexual or not, you've got psychological trauma. And even, like, the fact that Christian, of all people, is at a point where he can't even get hard to have sex. Like, it's obviously affecting him. And, like, people deal with situations like this in different ways. So, um, I mean, yeah, definitely Sean. And we'll get to those scenes. But I, I don't know. I just even kind of think Kimber here, where she's like, I've tried to be patient, you know. Uh, you know, I'm tired of masturbating myself to sleep at night. It's like, it's kind of like, well, at the end of the day, uh, you are a porn star. <laughs> I'm sure you, like, go to work every day and you get sex. Uh, that's probably a bit inappropriate, Ben. I shouldn't <laughs> simply, you know, it's a job as opposed to her lover. Um, but yeah, anyway. But th- I think she's also direct. Yeah, well, true, true. Um, but yeah, so then we kind of get this intercut scene where all of a sudden, randomly, Christian's like, marry me. And then all of a sudden we cut to Sean and Julia, I want a divorce. Um, and like, it's kind of similar to, you know, our, our scene at the end of season two there, isn't it? When they're kind of, you know, intertelling these stories. I like how it's done. It's just, it's, it's very weird. Cause like, I guess kind of compared here when you, we've got this whole Julia Sean kind of situation happening. I, I think this is a bit of a theme this season in terms of Christian and, and Kimba and marriage. Like just keep track on this. Like this you know, semi-spoiler, this isn't the only time that the uh, the proposition of marriage comes up here from Christian to Kimba. So, I mean, it, it, it does seem very out of the blue, but at the same time, you can kind of see, you know, Christian's point. He's he's not doing this for pure love, and Kimba's got a point too. Like, she's like, well, you didn't even say you love me. You didn't even get down on one knee. Like, it's kind of... It's it's you can see both their points here as to why they're doing it, but I, I like the way it's kind of like interchanged between the the Sean and Julia stuff, and you know she's basically saying just sign the papers, and Sean's like, well I can't, um, and yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting how we kind of see this back and forth, and we get that weird fade of um, Julia walking out, and we kind of will see that later on with Christian walking out too. So um, yeah, I don't know how how you take kind of these two uh, the way they're doing that. Well, I think it's actually something that the show does really well is these kind of intercut scenes that um, are a juxtaposition on each other, you know. So the other one that kind of sticks out to me too is the one, you know, where um, um, Matt and Henry are discussing what they're going to do after they've run over Kara um, in between, you know, the Sean and Christian when they've been, um, you know, um, blackmailed basically by Escobar in that first season. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is, this is another example of that where we've got two kind of, um, you know, scenes that are that are directly in parallel you know like opposite of each other um so i like it i think it's a good and it's efficient way of telling two stories at the same time um so no i really enjoy it i think it's well done um yeah it does it get a little bit ott with the kind of fading out of julia as she walks away yeah that's probably a bit much and obviously we get that at the other end of the the episode as well so <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit much on on my side of things but but not too much you know like i, I do enjoy it and I, I, if anything i'm all for uh, economic storytelling which we definitely see you know. now we move on to the introduction of detective kit mcgraw uh we have uh, christian in the uh the police station here with her now i just going to point out straight away rona mitra i love rona mitra uh a friend of mine was madly in love with her um, and so I kind of got a lot of love from that side of things. Uh, she was very keen into her and kind of, you know, the whole, um, 
situation this season makes it very interesting. But I, I alluded to this, I think, at the end of last season in terms of uh, I think she was very well known for a large portion of her career before she really made it as being a video game character in many ways. Can you tell me a video game cam- a video game character, and even if you're a video gamer or not, you will know this video game character who she- you could see her being, I guess, the live action model of? Well, she looks like Lara Croft. You, you're yeah, absolutely correct. Yes, example? yes, Lara yeah. Croft. She was very well yeah. known for being the live-action Lara Croft model in the late 90s. Um, so that's... What do you mean by that? Sorry. Can you just... Can you expand on that? What do you mean by the live-action model? Because she obviously isn't Angelina Jolie. Well, I think before uh, she, there was a movie made and before... kind Like, when Lara Croft became, like, an, an icon, basically, you know, you would have appearances, you know, like, in... I guess, I think she was in TV commercials, like they made sort of a real life Lara Croft into TV commercials and you would just kind of right, have like okay. media, because like, I mean, it's it's kind of like, uh, I guess mainly with female video game characters, you know, there's always that thing of like, what would they look like in real life? Um, so I kind of think she was the most well-known real life version of her for like, just, just entertainment purposes. I mean, there was never like a TV show made or anything like that, but it was just kind of for modeling purposes and things like that. So... Um, I mean, because she was a model, uh, she still is a model, I essentially assume you would say, um, and that kind of where she got her breakout, which is kind of interesting to think, because, like, I mean, you know, Angelina Jolie's iconic in the role of, of, you know, whether you like those movies or not, and I know they're about to, re- you know, reboot it next year, but, um, you know, it's interesting that, like, she, like, I'm glad you straight away put, because I think she does look like Lara Croft, so, um, oh, yeah. you know, I think kind of that's where it would have been interesting to see what she would have done in that role instead of Angelina Jolie even though we love, well, at least I love Angelina Jolie in the role of Lara Croft. I don't know if you do or not. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's not something I've actually sat down and watched from beginning to end, if I'm being totally oh, honest. Oh, Nick, you've got to. It's but, one of those ones that well, it's kind well, of shit, maybe, but it's maybe good. Will, maybe, <laughs> well, maybe that's an upcoming um, Oz Network retrospective series that we'll go and watch those movies. I think and I'll we're watch planning on doing time. that next year in the lead-up to the new one. But, I mean, it's funny, actually, because we have an ongoing joke on uh, one of our spin-off shows, the Oz, uh, 007, available via iTunes, because I knew Daniel Craig when he was announced to James Bond. I'm like, oh, that's the guy from Tomb Raider. Because <laughs> he's like, he's in Tomb Raider. So that's where I yep. knew Daniel Craig from. So, um, yeah, uh, Lara Croft Oz coming soon. Um, but yeah, I, I like Kit McGraw. I mean, she's an interesting character. Uh, she, she's very wooden. I mean, she's no Ava. Like, I mean, you know, she's kind of very one dimensional if you're going to kind of look at it. But I mean, like, this is where I think Rona Mitra just shines because, like, this is the type of character she generally plays. Um, and she's just gorgeous and uh you know with the british accent and just so many things that work in rona mitra's favor so i don't know if you're familiar with her in, in anything i mean she's been in lots of things she was in uh, the ali g movie um she was in uh that jim carrey movie the number 23 uh i mean she was in like the practice for a while i think um you know she's been in a lot of things uh but i don't know if you were overly familiar with her besides nip tuck I think she's one of those faces that you kind of recognise from stuff. I eh? like, yeah. I mean, I, I I really like her. I like this this character for this season. Um, I think it's really good, and I think she kind of plays it well. So yeah, and and you're totally right. I mean, she's she's 
and you know drop dead stunning so you know it's it's always a pleasure um as a heterosexual male to watch her on screen um so yeah I'm, and i mean i think probably what's interesting to take away from this first scene with her is that um she's not particularly kind of empathetic to the victim here um which is an interesting way to kind of introduce her that and straight away you get in the case that she's no nonsense um you know she's she's going to push the boundaries all that kind of stuff you get that straight away um so I think that that's quite interesting. Um, and obviously, I think the, the bigger point that the scene is making for this one episode is that she obviously is under the impression that, that Christian's been raped and he's not telling her that. You know, that's coming across quite clearly that she believes that. And she's just waiting for, for Christian to confirm that to her. Yeah. And I think also, like, um, I mean, kind of the backstory here is she's been brought in uh, from Jack the Ripper London. I love the way she says that. Um, because, yeah. you know, he's our reference to Miami to remind you where we are because the uh, mayor of Miami is scared of dwindling tourist numbers while we've got a serial sex attacker out there on the loose. Um, and then we kind of, you know, typical Christian, even though he's been raped and attacked, he's still trying to come on to the hot chick. Um, you know, what's he saying, like, about, like, oh, maybe we can discuss over, over a drink. I don't drink. And I was like, oh, well, I also like recovering alcoholics. Um, and then, yeah. you know, when she kind of, you know, retorts with, you know, oh, one thing I've learned about bullshit come-ons, it either, you know, means that you're insecure or hung like a toddler. And I love, you know, Chris <laughs> like, I assure you it's neither. <laughs> I think what's really good about this is a, a couple of things to kind of point out on, on the scene as well is that um, – the, the kind of actual footage that you get from from Christian, you know, of him being raped is pretty. Oh, it's pretty graphic, very, you know. Yeah. Like it's, and, and I think that that's that's quite effective. That you know, we're kind of getting that that kind of we're seeing it with our own two eyes, which I think is is really powerful. But the other thing that I really like too is just it's something to keep in mind. You know, if you're watching this this whole season and and this whole show then obviously we've already got that backstory that Christian was abused as a child by his foster father. So you know, this is not his first experience of being sexually assaulted. And that probably has a bit of an impact on why he's not falling to pieces because he's actually learnt to, to deal with this as part of his survival as a child. So that's something that kind of is easy to forget. Like they don't point that out on this and you've got to be, you've got to be paying attention and remember that backstory for Christian to kind of make sense of how he responds during this, this this whole episode yeah yeah i I mean i i think that's a perfect way of summarizing it for sure and um there's a there's an episode in this season in particular that really kind of revisits the whole background of christian um which i think is a fascinating episode as going through the hit and misses of this season i mean you know for the development of christian as a character it's it's very important um and yeah that's that's definitely going to be one to talk about but um yeah i mean just that you like the graphic nature of that scene i mean god from just like the revealing of his, you know, butt, and then he's like in the shower, and like I think the 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 bit about that is you kind of see the the trail of blood coming from like his, you know, his bum basically, and it's kind of like, wow, like I mean that's just, it's a real blink and you miss moment, but it's still there, and it's um, yeah, it's very confronting, uh, which you know, yeah, and I guess that's probably the, the other thing too is it's uh, I think you also get the because I mean the, he shouldn't be able to hide the fact that he's been raped because of that fact and because you know if he was just slashed across the throat then the way his body's been positioned and dragged across the bed is that it would have been quite obvious what had happened to him I think mm. um, and, and I guess that you know we get those those kind of um, flashbacks of him in the shower and I guess that's probably what we're what we're hearing in one sense or another is that he hid the fact that he had been raped you know so I guess that this whole thing of that he's hiding that which comes into play. 
later on in this, the same episode I was alluding to there about Christian's background. I uh, can't really say too much without completely spoiling what will happen at one point, but um, just yeah. just remember that fact that he had that shower and that he's telling that to, yeah. to Kit McGraw here. Um, but, yeah, it's obviously uh, very very well shot scene, it should be said, to kind of have that effect. Um, so we then cut to... Christian comes in, expected at surgery, uh, and basically... What is he carrying when he walks through? Like, that is the weirdest lunch container I've ever seen in the in my life. It's I didn't... This kind of... It almost looks like a chocolate box as opposed to, like, a lunch... <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine lunchbox. Uh, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, what was the... the children's lunchbox craze in the mid 2000s um oh the trapper keepers or whatever they were the yeah whatever they were called sure um yeah <laughs> but uh this is kind of where like sean's a bit of a dick um you know because it's like uh not the welcome back i was expecting well you were meant to be back here before and it's kind of like it's it's i just feel there's just scenes in this where sean is just not Understand, particularly as well, given the fact that he's the only one that he knows has been raped. So it's kind of like, well, come on, give him a bit of leeway. Yeah. When he's ready, he's ready. Um, but then it's like uh, he's, he mentions that he's calling in Quinton, as we, we met Quinton briefly at the end of last season. Um, and basically, Sean, you know, I think Christian is completely right here when he says he turns, it's all about you, isn't it? Like, you know, because Sean's like, I'm working 80 hours a week. I'm a divorced doctor, you know, and it's like, yeah, it kind of is about you. Um, and then basically Christian's line when he says, I never would have been attacked if it wasn't for you, you know, you won't move on. Um, which I, again, I'm, I'm team Christian here. I think Christian has some very valid points. Uh, and then he's kind of obviously interrupted by a phone call, uh, that, uh, the detective, I, I forget his name. Um, he's called Sean and ass- assuming it's another Carver victim at this point, but, um, you know, again, very well acted between these two. And, um, uh, yeah, again, I think Christian makes some very valid points here. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think Christian's also really good at cutting to, you know, like, um, you know, Sean's going off on a bit of a rant and all that kind of thing. And Christian's just like, you're getting divorced and just like completely takes the air out of the balloon as well. So I, I do enjoy that, that, you know, Christian, even that everything he's going through, he can still be a dick when he needs to. Um, and, you know, just kind of cut Sean down in his tracks. I think that's uh, that's really impressive. Now we move on here to um, this is where this episode really just feels different. Because I think kind of at this point, it's fairly decent. It's not that bad. But, like, this, again, to me, it just feels so out of place in many aspects. And I'm not taking away from this storyline. I think it's an effective storyline. But kind of, you know, I don't know how we're going to have thoughts on this. Because Sean's called out to this house. Uh, we assume it's another Carver victim. But as we're told, told it's worse. Is it? Um, I don't know about that. It's it's more it's more unique than worse. Um, we see all these like firefighters and police officers hanging outside, and they're you know choking and breathing badly, and all these people are kind of watching like what's going on. There's news crews. We hear helicopters, and like there's just a flurry of activity going on. We don't know what we're about to see. And then uh, Sean walks inside the house. He's been given a mask to wear. And we see uh, an extremely large woman on the couch uh, who we now will meet and know as Mama Boone. And, I mean, one thing I just say, kind of, I mentioned this in our Third Watch episode that we did. It's, again, tying similar storylines. We There was an episode in the first season of Third Watch where they come across a very large lady in a house and have to work out a way to get her to the hospital through, you know, New York, obviously. It's a multi-story building. Um, but this obviously goes a lot more in depth and... This woman has uh, essentially been on the couch for three years. 
Um, she is, as we find out, fused to the couch. Uh, her husband called the 911 uh, because they thought she was having a heart attack. Um, and they really can't do anything here. And, and I, I do like the little backstory here, how the detective has to like explain, cause I'm going, why is Sean being called? He's a plastic surgeon. Um, but like, as you know, the, the detective says like, oh, you're, you're the only skin guy I know. Um, it's like, well, I mean, you're a cop. Surely you've got other connections, right? Um, good old Miami PD investigating gerbil deaths yeah. still. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a tragic story because, I mean, I th- again, based... I don't think this is based purely on one story. There's been many occasions where I think this has been in the news before. But essentially, you know, Mama Boone has been on this couch because she couldn't walk around because of a sciatica. So she's basically stuck on this couch and her husband will just come along and bring her whatever she wants. And she's gotten to the point where she's so big, she doesn't get off the couch and... As we learn through humidity and kind of, uh, you know, other bodily functions, she's basically fused herself to the couch and she needs to leave. She, she's having deep vein thrombosis. She's having so many issues, uh, as we find out, obviously, gangrene. Um, but I, I should point out, uh, through all these scenes here that, um, you know, the actress who plays Mama Boone, uh, Kathy Lampkin, who, uh, I mean, for the most part, I'm sure, I don't know if she's as big as she is in this show. I mean, looking at some other photos of her in other shows, I mean, she's a big lady, but I don't know if she's this big. So I'm kind of thinking there's a bit of, um, you know, prosthetics involved in this. But I mean, God, it's effective, is it not? Like, I mean, you just feel so bad for this poor woman. Um, even though, like, at the same time, like, yeah, you can argue some of it is her fault. It's, it's one of these real subjective ones, I feel, that you kind of, you know, what side of the fence do you sit on? But, I mean, she's a great actress. You really feel like just, um, you know, through just some of the stuff she says and, you know, uh, I got the TiVo so I can see my stories. Um, and what did she say to, to Sean? Like, uh, has anyone ever told you you look like... It was, I've written down here somewhere. Um, oh, where is it? Oh, Damon on Guiding Light. Uh, and I had to look him up and I'm like, eh, he kind of looks like him. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's. I like the line when Sean's kind of like, "Well, what about personal needs? Like, you know, when you got to go to the bathroom?" She's like, "I'd rather not talk about that." <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it kind of leads obviously to the fact that they've got to get her out. Um, they've got to basically remove a wall. They've got to lift her onto the back of a truck, and all these people are just watching. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. And kind of interchange here, we get Liz calling through. They've prepped a patient ready for Sean, who's not there. Uh, so he's like, stall, you know, get Christian in. Um, and just kind of, I'll add this here, and we'll talk about all the lump all these scenes together. Christian eventually comes in. Uh, he lives 10 minutes away from the office. That's the first time we've kind of heard how close he lives to the office. Um, and basically, we find out that the patient left half an hour ago after being paged an hour ago. Again, Liz getting a bit fed up. But uh, yeah, anyway, so... Kind of now, we've got this Mama Boone storyline, I guess, kind of from the beginning of this right through to just that little scene with Christian before we get to seeing Quentin again. But uh, it's, again, confronting stuff. It's it's a very unique story, but it kind of just going on and stuff. I, I don't know how I feel in regards to this just being... Because to me, it just feels like it's tacked on. It just it feels like this is a separate episode, and it feels like we've got two episodes in one. And as you said, it's a long episode without ads. It's an hour and seven yeah. minutes. And it just right yeah. now we're we're into a different episode. I feel, and I, I, I this is why this episode is such a weird episode for me. Yeah, I think probably for me, uh, uh, the, what this I think any time you've got an episode where they go out of 
of the clinic. It's always a little bit unusual. Like I think last season when we had the kind of Rose and Raven storyline, I think they're out of their natural environment and it always feels a little bit kind of unusual. You know, it's not good or bad. It just it's just weird. Um, and this is kind of this has kind of got that feel to it. I also think it's one of those things where. Um, like you say, though, apparently, at least in the early going of the show, um, they were very proud of the fact that every um, kind of patient they had on the show was based on a real-life story. That was something that they talked about a lot. Um, and I think that this is definitely... I, I, I seem to remember there being like a rash of these these kind of situations in the news all the time where, you know, they had to cut a wall out and put people on a truck. And, you know, the, I, I remember this being quite a big thing in the news. For you know, There was multiple cases, I think. So this is probably a, you know, a combination of a number of different cases. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I definitely... I definitely think that they just really wanted to to play up the story. Um, you know, I've got a couple of things here. It's like, why would they not just cut most of the couch away first? Like, mm. to me, it kind of feels like you could, you know, it, yeah, you don't want to rip her skin or anything, but you could, you could kind of cut, you know, like the, uh, I don't know. It, it, to me, like moving her with the couch entirely seems like a strange thing to do, but there may be a good reason for that that is kind of not explained. And um, just going back to your earlier point about the actress, I mean, she's like you say, I think she's a bigger lady, but she's definitely in a kind of fat suit for this thing. You know, she is made out to be a hell of a lot bigger than she actually is. So, so yeah, I think you know nobody could be this big. I don't think um, it looks real though. And, and Can we just point out? In no point does it look oh, fake. Yeah, it looks amazing. I think, yeah, I think the prosthetics are really. Am- I think one of the things I really like, which comes a little bit later in the set, it's a little bit gross, but I think you know when she's kind of looking down at her feet yeah. and you know and. and Toenails haven't been, you know, and it just really sells the the whole story really well. I think they do a good job. Um, yeah, I think to me the the bit that I, that really sells me on this is is her legs, you know, because they're kind of that real, um, you know, you, you know, like that just the, the real kind of fat leg thing. And I think it just looks really good. Sorry, there probably is a, a more technical term. For that fat leg. I'm fat looking at my legs right now. They're fat legs, so you know, it's it's fine. <laughs> But I'm sure people who have watched the episode know exactly what I yeah. mean here. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's um, it is really effective, and I think you know the way that they kind of play the character. I mean, it, it borders on the kind of stereotypes of you know, like the you know, watch my stories type of thing. But I think what it is is it gives you the the feeling that this woman has, is a little bit infantile. Um, you know, and and she's yeah, she you can talk about personal responsibility all you want, but this woman is obviously probably not um, a hugely intelligent person and has not been looked after well by um, the people that should be caring for her. And I think that that you know this whole story of regret and, and things like that. So um, I think if you watch the show and this episode and and you don't feel you know, a reasonable amount of um, of sympathy and empathy for, for this character, then, um, you, yeah, I, I, I don't really know what to say to you. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 she, she's a very sympathetic character, yeah. and, and you can't help sorry for her. And that gets sold really well later in the episode, you know, especially when we're kind of telling the story about her daughter and even, you know, when she's getting all those injections in her leg. And, you know, like, yeah, it, it's, it's really, really hard to watch at times. But I think that the... The actress who does it, she does an amazing job with this character. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And just side note to the music, I mean, um, I'm going to butcher... Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Madeleine per- Perrault, I mean, it's a French-sounding name, and I'm not going to apologise for butchering the French language because it deserves to be butchered, but I just want to say that it's the very effective music. Uh, Dance Me to the End of Love is the one we've got here straight away uh, as she's been moved to the hospital, and they used more Madeleine Perrault later on when, spoiler alert, she dies. Um, but, it, it, it like, it's kind of like... When I say it's a weird episode, like, 
just how it feels like it's almost two episodes in one, but like the vibe and the feel, like in no way am I saying this is a bad episode. It's just it's just a different vibe to what we're used to with Nip Tuck, and it's it's got yeah, it connects I, those yeah, emotional totally, chords. Yeah, I totally felt that as well. That it, it does feel very different. I think. Um, I guess probably those first two seasons is that we told some really interesting stories. We got lots of those pro bono cases, but everything had like kind of a slick veneer to it. And I think that this is really that kind of first episode where it feels dirty and it feels, you know, like you've got a storyline of somebody that has not taken care of themselves and is the, you know, is the antithesis of these two doctors who care so much about their image and, and all that kind of thing. And she's kind of the re- the reverse of that. She hasn't cared. She doesn't care about her image. Um, you know, like it, it's just a real kind of juxtaposition, I guess. And um, it, it does feel different. Yeah. And, you know, we're about to get Quentin kind of come on the scene as well. And so that kind of just that throws the balance of these two doctors. You know, everything kind of changes a little bit too. So, so yeah, I, I definitely hear what you're saying there and, and, can, and can totally agree with it. Good segueing work there, Nicholas. Uh, Quentin arrives. Um, and uh, What is he offered? What is that in the bag? Is it just like a bottle or something? It's a bottle. I've of never been offered a bottle. Champagne or something? Or? Yeah, I'm- I mean, I've never been offered a bottle of booze that comes in a velvet sack, but you know, like maybe that's just a just. I'm showing my um, my lack of culture. Yeah, it was a New Zealand thing. You don't get bottles of booze in a sack. Um, I mean, in Australia, it's called a. Is it called a goon bag in New Zealand? You know what a goon bag is. Yeah, 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 we've got them. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know if that was purely Australian or you got that over the Dutch. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought it was just a bottle of champagne, but I didn't kind of pay that close attention to it. But, yeah, Quinton comes in, says he wants to formally accept a partnership in uh, McNamara Troy. Um, is partnership not, like, two people? Is that, the like, if there's three, is it a, a partnership? Like, I don't know the technicalities of that word, but... Well, I guess in a law firm you have several partners, don't True. you? You don't okay. just have two. Um yeah. Okay. Just wanted to clarify that because I'm. But it, 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 it is a weird way, like because it, you hear later in the episode is that he's been offered a six month partnership. I'm not sure you'd write. I'm not sure you get le- lawyers involved really for a six month. Like, and he wouldn't be selling his house in Atlanta for a six month contract with mm. these guys. Surely he'd just be signing a a standard kind of you know, um, employee agreement or whatever. I, I don't understand the legalities of this. To be honest, it does all seem a bit strange to me. Um. I could put a very obvious answer to that, but I don't want to because uh, I don't want to spoil it. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think kind of like just on paper right now, we're like, huh, what? Um, so, yeah, but uh, Brunick... And, I mean, we're, and we're, playing along, uh, we're playing along in the moment um, yeah. because, A, all we know is what we know now, and, B, um, it's been too long since I've seen the show, so I can't remember exactly what happened, so... Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the idiot who hasn't seen this show before, even though I have. <laughs> um, but yeah, like as you said, we, we're here to accept it. And Christian is kind of like, well, look, I never accepted this. Um, and again, it is like, you know, I put my house in the market, we'll take it off the market. Um, but then we kind of get this scene here with Quinton where he's like, oh, let me take a look at your scar. And I do like his line of, I just bought you a drink, baby. The least you could do is let me see it. Um, and yeah. yeah, we kind of just got this nice little playoff here, you know, kind of he's looking at the scar and we kind of get this, you know, implication here that Quentin thinks he's a better um, surgeon than Sean. Um, and look, I mean, I, 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 this is kind of only, again, brief scenes with Quentin. I like Quentin. I think Quentin's a very interesting character. And he, he, like, the way he develops across this season, I just think it's 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 fun in some aspects, the way he is, because he is kind of the middleman between Sean and Christian. Like, he is half Sean, half Christian. 
Um, yeah, totally. And I think yep. that's what makes him so good as, as a character. So, uh, just keep an eye on how he is this season because he's involved a lot. I mean, he's, he's main cast now. We should have mentioned in the opening credits, um, Kimber and Quinton have been added as main cast members. Gina will get added. She, spoiler alert, comes back in and will join the main cast this season. She's not there yet. But, um, yeah, Ro- uh, sorry, Kelly Carlson and Bruno Campos are, are in those credits if you didn't notice the, the, the opening credits there. Um, but yeah, so Quinton's there. Uh, we'll obviously touch on more of him throughout this season. But, uh, um, Christian now, uh, is this where he gets called to the hospital and Liz is there too, isn't, isn't she? Like, he's just packing a bag and they go to, um, the, the hospital now, Mama Boone's on the couch, they're in white scrubs. Oh no, they're in blue scrubs, sorry. I thought they're in white scrubs in this scene. Or are they in white scrubs? They're almost, they're almost like teal. Like teal. They're, uh, they're kind of off, off green, really. Um, yeah. Okay, I've written here blue, but I've, I've you know, had weird memory of a different colour there. Um, and then clearly... Uh, Look, I'm the scrubs expert on the show, so just just leave the, leave the details of the scrubs to yeah, me. I'll, I'm all over I'll, it. I'll stick to the, the sex stuff and you can stick to the... I don't know where that came from. Uh, but <laughs> just... <laughs> I'm so used to dealing with Colin and trying to educate him on sex that I forgot for a moment that I was talking to a New Zealander. Um, you are the kings of sex. You have sheep. But so we have uh, Christian's showed up uh, and he's Sean's kind of asking him for help. I love that little scene um, when Sean's kind of like going on about, you know, like he, Christian doesn't know why he's there yet. And he kind of, when he sees Mama Boone and he just has that awkward like look at her and she's kind of like looking at him like going, what? And then she has that little smile and then he has that little smile back at her. Um, I kind of like that little scene. But um, we, we hear... A little bit where Sean says to him, you know, like glove up. I think that's quite an interesting way of putting it. I, I don't think we've ever heard that on the show before. <laughs> kind of like the Barney Stinson suit up, except we've got glove up yeah, here yeah. going on. Um, and th- they need to basically... Um, they can't put her to sleep to do this surgery because they've got to basically the surgery here is they've got to remove her from the couch. So they're going to have to remove skin from her legs because again, she's fused her, her skin has fused into the couch. That is like, think about that for a second that she's been sitting on that couch for so long. She's basically couch right now. She's half human, half couch. There's a horror movie waiting to be made. Um, she yeah. was a woman, but now she's half couch. Don't sit on her. She will eat you. Um, they can't put her to sleep. Liz says, can't put you to sleep because you're in this position. We can't anesthetize you. I'm going to say that word. So they've basically got to numb the area. And I love the line when she says, you know, oh, do it quickly. I don't like the needles. And then they cut to that scene and there's like a hundred needles on a tray. Um, and I like kind of the, the editing effect that they have when, like, he asks Christian to formally help. So he kind of walks out the door and he comes back in and he's in the scrubs, the way they kind of edit it with that door. Um, I think, it, yeah. I think it, it's very stars in their eyes, isn't it? Yeah, no, it, it looks really, really good. Uh, just before we get started here on the surgery, of course, we see her husband, uh, Danny, is it, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, he's outside, Danny. Danny, Danny, yeah, they're outside the window. Um, and he wants to see his wife. Sean comes out and says, well, I don't think it's a good idea. You might unsettle her. Um, and then we kind of, you know, get a little bit here of back and forth between the two. Obviously, you know, Sean's very skeptical of this guy. Like, how could you get her like this? And basically Sean saying, uh, sorry, Denny's basically saying like, don't you dare challenge my love for this woman. Uh, what does he say? Like, I'm, she's my Uma to my kill bill. Is, did I pick that line yeah. up did, or did I make that? Up? I've written yeah, it down yeah. here. 
Oh, I think I think he basically says that you know um, she may not look like much to you, but to me she's Uma and Kill Bill. Right. Oh, Uma um, Inc. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, very, yeah. very. Of course. Um, you know, two thousand and five. That was a big movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just to, to people thinking like that's a random quote, but um, yeah, I, I like that line. He says like you know Sean alludes to like getting him charged, and it's like the only thing you can charge me for is loving her too much. I'm like, well, you know, um. Uh, and then there's interesting little quote there when like, you know, Sean's saying like, well, why didn't you stop? And it's like, well, you know, it's like serving a sandwich of shit. They may eat it, but they won't like it or you afterwards. It's like valid point. <laughs> it's kind of like as you're yeah, a little kid, yeah. you eat your vegetables. Like you don't like it or your parents at the time, <laughs> but yeah, you know, nice analogy. This guy, this guy has a very um, kind of Billy Bob Thornton and Bad Santa look. Hey, eh? like he, <laughs> he just he kind of he does look like him. Like he, he it's, he's one of those actors that kind of looks like a more famous actor. Like you know, just has that kind of slight look about him that you kind of go, is that actually him? And then you're like, no, no, it's not. Um, yeah, he's um, he, he plays the kind of hillbilly thing quite well, really, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And uh, I need to look up his actor's name in a minute because uh, he he's a pretty good actor at playing that role. Um, we kind of get Julia seen here back in her house, and uh, here's Erica, because it's a season premiere, so why wouldn't we have Erica? Can I just say, Erica's a lot more tolerable in these first two episodes of this season so far, um, compared to what she's been, particularly the next episode. I kind of actually like Erica in the next episode. Um, but it, it's essentially here, uh, she's coming to support Julia, because she's heard, obviously, about the divorce, and she's gone to a Manhattan lawyer... Coral Axton Stein or something like that. Um, she's a barracuda. 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 <laughs> um, and basically, throughout these legal documents, uh, you know, saying that Sean assaulted Julia, adultery. And in all fairness, knowing how Americans love their legal, you know, things and lawsuits, kind of valid point. He kind of did assault her and did commit adultery. So, kind of got a point there. <laughs> Just yeah, totally. And I think this is one of those things where um we're two males talking about it. We can get ourselves in a little bit of trouble here because yeah, yeah, totally, totally it is. But I guess I guess the the bigger point here is that Julia is kind of um she wants to end things on good terms. You know, she has no intention of kind of going after Sean and all his assets. Um, and you know, this is kind of appealing to to her better nature. Really, you know, she's kind of and I think this is one of those things where um. You know, we've made some comparisons between Julia and Skylar White a little bit, mm. and um, you know, there's a point in Breaking Bad where you kind of you you move from not liking Skylar because she's a bit of a pain to to you know you kind of get on board with her because she kind of gets on board with with what's going on in the story. And I think we're almost at a similar point here with Julia, and you know, it's gonna things will go up and down. Obviously, it's a long show, but I think we're at that point now where I'm I, I'm I, personally I'm moving past the point where she annoys me, and um, yeah. I'm actually getting into her story a little bit more. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And the thing with Julia though is it's interesting the way she develops because i mean you really do get to a point with her where she almost becomes annie 2.0 she's kind of just used when convenient and kind of forgotten about so it's and but she's never not billed as main cast member if you know what i mean which i know at least yeah well it's one of those yeah yeah it's one of those hard things because you know like she was such an important part of the main storyline of you know season one going into season two um but the natural fallout of that storyline is that her and sean break up and then what do you do with this character you know you've got this really important character and i mean we're obviously going to see what they do with her um and you know it's, it's going to link back to these guys and in, in um probably some some slightly interesting ways that you're not expecting so i i think it's actually um 
we we just done a bit of a lull with her at the moment that when I'm not sure the show really knows what to do with her yet. Yeah. Um, they want to around but she doesn't really have a role in what's happening with sean and christian all that much um so we've kind of got to find interesting things for her to do yeah and i think the interesting thing which i kind of touched on last season is i actually like what the the main storyline that she gets involved in this season with gina and liz uh which will come into play what i don't like what they do with that is the way they completely forget about what they do with them at some point so it's it's kind of hard to explain that without going into detail and i think kind of the thing that frustrates me with the character of julia is that like particularly we talked about in season one when she's like studying and going back to school and finally she's going to become like a you know a doctor um it's forgotten about and it's kind of like even with this season when sort of it's sort of brought back into play it then just gets forgotten about um, and it's just kind of like, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Like, what could they do with her? But I don't know. I think there's some things that when we get to this storyline later in this season about what they kind of do with her character, like an interesting twist on that they could have done. But, um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, this show is really about Sean and Christian. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's she's one to watch really from this point on. Um, but yeah, uh, so we go back to the, the surgery and like, uh, basically, uh, Mama Boom wants Sean to hold her hand again, just like we had when they were on the truck, uh, basically, but she kind of need to cut away this skin. Um, and then it's kind of pretty gruesome looking scenes here. It's very well prosthetics of what they do here and essentially, um, cutting away the skin here and uh, discovering that it might be gangrene and, you know, obviously Mama Boone saying, oh, you know, you might have to take my leg off. And, you know, Christian doesn't bullshit. He basically says, well, yeah, we might have to. Um, and, like, the thing that I'm thinking about this whole thing is, like, she's awake. Like, sure, she's not. She's kind of feeling it in a way, you can tell. But, like, can you imagine sitting down and watching, like, people rip your skin off? Like, mentally, that's kind of confronting in yourself. Like, I'm the type of person who can't even look at a doctor putting a needle in my arm. Uh, and, like, I mean, like, for example, like, my sister, uh, you know, when she's had her children, she had C-sections and was awake during it. Like, I know there's a sheet up between you so you don't see it, but, like, I don't want to be awake while literally my stomach is cut open. <laughs> like, I mean, that to me is like, oh, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. So, yeah. yeah, I know she's got no option in this choice, but she's just sitting there watching this happen in front of her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty horrible. Yeah, uh. it's, I mean, and I think it's, I think the scene is done really well. Like, I think it's um, you know, like in terms of kind of graphic, um, you know, difficult scenes to watch. Um, it, it it's right up there with some of the the tough ones that we've had in the first two seasons. I think they kind of you know they really sell just how difficult this is. Um, and you know, even some of the close up scenes where they're trying to pull her away from the couch slowly but surely, you know, like it, that's really really hard to watch. Um, I think they really do sell just how how horrible this is. Oh, for sure. Um, and then obviously we're we're into cut obviously with this really emotional story going on about her and her daughter and all that kind of stuff as well. So. Um, there's just so much going on here, and I think it is done really, really well. Yeah, and I mean, just the scene here, obviously Christian takes his glove off, holds her hand, you know, to kind of comfort her, because, you know, at the same time, like, she's saying, like, oh, I don't know if I can do this, you know. Uh, and, yeah, like, the, the, we learn about her daughter and just kind of the nice little scene there where she's, like, you know, talking about a manicure and, um, you know, things like that. Um, and, yeah, she's she's basically saying, like, oh, you know, can we stop now? I'm really exhausted. I mean, she's literally had, like, two minutes of surgery here. Um, but I guess it sells the Mama Boone character, doesn't it? I mean, this is a woman who can't get off the couch. So, um, yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's to make sense. Can I, can I just, um, oh, and also just the storyline too, and she's going on about how, like, 
tomorrow, you know, I, I love a clean house. So tomorrow I'm going to get up. And then like Christian would say like, oh, but tomorrow would come and you'll feel exhausted. Like we all feel that. Like we're all like tomorrow I'm going to the gym and losing weight. You wake up the next day. Tomorrow I'm going to the gym and losing weight. <laughs> like we've all felt that. And you're just kind of like, wow, it really is a, you know, a sad story. But I just, the star of this episode to me. Um, we, we like a habit here on the Oz Network of picking up the random characters from a movie or a TV show and making them the stars, hence why Annie is the best actor in all of Nip Tuck. But this woman, who the nurse or the doctor who comes in, like, and they look up and said, oh, did you get the results for the skin, you know, grade? She does not even <laughs> say, all she does, she can't even see anything besides her eyes, and she just goes... Hmm. Like, disappointed look. Like, who is this woman? Like, she played the role of disappointed doctor walking in the room. <laughs> it's like, I love this woman. <laughs> it, 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 you wouldn't think that it's possible to actually um, overact um, with just your eyes, but, yeah, she, she needs to go to the Tom Hardy school of acting just with your eyes because, she, yeah, she doesn't do a very good job. It would be funny if that's, like, Meryl Streep or someone. Like You know how, like, in uh, yeah. The Force Awakens, Daniel Craig was a stormtrooper? Like, you know, yeah. it's just yeah. random, you know, big-name actor is in that. Um, uh, just just randomly. But, yeah, sadly, we here at Scangreen... Um, we kind of get, uh, you know, her wanting to give up for the day and, and Sean and Christian have a bit of an argument about, you know, look, we've got to keep going. And what does Christian say? Like, she isn't Julia. Separation can't go on forever. Uh, and then we just get this sad scene when, like, kind of, you know, as you were saying before, she kind of looks down at her feet. She looks around, realizes the situation. It's kind of, it's not getting any better than this, is it? And she dies, um, basically, from that point on. Um, I mean, she has do not resuscitate on her form, which we saw her, you know, sign before. Um, and, yeah, like, uh, it's it's sad. I, I don't know if you really got much to add on it. You kind of, I think, covered a lot there before we get to the funeral scene here. But, um, yeah, it's kind of sad the way she sadly dies. Yeah, no, it is really sad. I think probably the only thing I've got to add there is that, um, you know, one of the things I think that we may be seeing a bit of a slide towards is that, I, I I know I keep going back to this, but, you know, these patient scenes should always be telling us, they, they should be a bit of a microcosm for whatever the main story kind of is going on between the doctors. Um, and, you know, in that, especially in that first season, it was really good that you kind of had these very subtle links between, you know, the main story of what was happening to, um, you know, the doctors and what the, the patient story was. And I think over time, they've become more and more blatant to the point where basically Christian is now calling it out in the <laughs> surgery scene. That, you know, the thing is about, you know, you need to move on, you need to move on. And, you know, he actually has to actually say it in the surgery scene. So it's a little bit disappointing that we get to the point you actually have to say it like that. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that we can kind of turn a corner and, and, um, and, and maybe see some more subtlety going forwards. This isn't a case of subtlety, really. And I think that's kind of what we mean when we say, like, how season two is, like, peak nip-tuck. And by no means are we saying that nip-tuck is bad from this point on. But we, we start to see a lot more misses rather than constant hits. Um, and, again, I think this season summarises that. And, look, I will say this on record right now. I think season four is a much better season than season three. And I know a lot of Nip Tuck fans would disagree with that. But, yeah, season four to me is the most underrated season of all of them, and I'm really looking forward to getting to that. But, to me, this season just has so many of these elements where it's kind of like, yeah, we've literally got a character here telling us what we're meant to be assuming right now. So, it's kind of, yeah. uh, you know, kind of letting the ball slip a little bit there. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, we we get to the funeral uh, scene. Uh, we meet June. Mama was my mama. <laughs> um, 
which is kind of sad. Um, I mean, obviously, poor old Mama Boone's not that popular. She doesn't have many people attending a funeral. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's Denny. You are correct. It was Denny. And I've just looked him up here. J.E. Freeman uh, was his name. Sadly, he died in 2014. And um, according to IMDb, uh, his role as Denny Boone was his second last ever role. He went on to be in a TV series called Heartland. Uh, but yeah, he wasn't in anything after that, uh, before he died. A uh, lot of, lot of film credits here. Uh, says he's most well known for Miller's Crossing, Alien Resurrection, and Patriot Games. So, um. Yeah, he, he does feel like one of those characters you bring in. He's probably a bit of a character actor. Like, he's just got that face, hasn't he? Yeah. That, um, you probably would really, in, um, you, you know, like, if you wanted that kind of hillbilly, um, you know, rough around the edges type of guy, you know, he's kind of that, that skinny look to him as well, which is probably something that's, um, you know, um, not always easy to cast. Um, so yeah, no, I think he's definitely, a. A, a good little um, character actor. So, yeah. So then kind of there we, we get this scene sort of between Denny and the doctors when he's, you know, all like, oh, you know, thanks for paying for the burial, you know, and getting the two plots and the way Christian's like, three cemetery plots. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, going through that they needed a, a bigger, you know, casket with metal because she would have fallen through the, the box. And just basically when he's saying, like, you've got to be rich to die and, you know, just all this kind of stuff there. And you kind of think that's about it from this guy, but we'll get back to him in just a second. But, uh, you know, this kind of then leads into Christian saying to, to Sean, like, hi, Quinton, you know, uh, we all need to move on. And again, kind of going with this moving on theme, which this time is not really been that screen, like, this obvious. It's still kind of a bit obvious, but, um, I then like how Denny comes back in and it's just like, can I keep the couch? And then Christian's like, you want that piece of shit? And it's like, well, it was part of her. Like, Denny's an interesting character because, like, he comes across as a dick because, like, he's wanting the couch. And he's like, oh, thanks for paying for everything because I had no money. And, like, you know, oh, I basically kept her on the couch because, you know, she wanted to. But he's also a tragic character because, like, you think, like, why the hell do you want the couch? But he's kind of like, well, it was part of her. Like, in a sick way, you can understand it, but still kind of fucked up <laughs> yeah and i think um that these kind of scenes with him in the, in the cemetery i think it's really well acted like just like his hand gestures and stuff it's all yeah. really um he, he kind of sells that grief just even through his gestures it, it's really quite clever I'm, I'm not quite sure how they did it but um you know like uh, yeah just just the kind of subtlety and the way he does it is really cool um and i do like the whole thing of um kind of you know you've got this digger has to come and and put the dirt on and and i don't know if you noticed but you know in the scene where the the digger kind of brings the dirt back down onto the coffin um in the background you've actually got these two grave diggers who are kind of smirking in the background you know i I think they're trying to make a bit of a subtle joke that you know this this fat woman is so big that she needs this digger and and i don't know if that's deliberate or not but um i i kind of noticed that a little bit in the background and it's kind of um you know it's played up against um Denny being, you know, like being emotional and crying, and and you know, so yeah, I I, I quite like that if it was if it was deliberate. No, I didn't notice that to be honest, so I'll have to go back and uh, check that one out. Once we've got this, and it's kind of again the weirdness of this episode, we kind of get back into this whole ending situation, which again sort of feels out of place. Like we've just had all this Mama Boone, and then we're kind of back to the, you know, kitten Christian stuff. We're in uh, his apartment now, and. Uh, She's basically analysing Christian, uh, you know, saying about everything's in its place. You surround yourself with things. Um, you know, you're hard, you're anal. The only place that you're soft is your bed. Um, and then basically, uh, you know, Christian's kind of trying to play hardball. Like when she's like talking about the attack and he's like, what's in the file? It's like, files are for lawyers. And then basically Christian's like, well, look, you know, tell me your secrets and I'll tell you mine. Uh, let me see your pain and I'll show you mine. And we 
hear this sort of story about Kit, you know, she was 24, she'd been married for six months and her husband, Jason, uh, went out to get some champagne to celebrate their six-month anniversary and was uh, shot uh, as a guy tried to steal her, his piece of shit 78 Volvo. Um, and, yeah, the real kick in the ass was I already had a bottle of Dom uh, chilling at home. But then it gets a bit weird. Now, like, you know, she's a bit of a hands-on detective, um, but, like, I kind of like the line where Christian says, is this how you treat, like, all your victims? Like, she basically gets him to lay on the bed where he was raped and attacked and straddles him to... Like, this is the weirdest <coughs> courtship or the weirdest sexual tension because, like, there's sexual tension between these two. You know they're going to fuck. But at the same time, like, she's basically trying to replay his rape. Like... Like, can we just reverse this if this was a, a male detective on a female victim? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that's um, it's slightly problematic, isn't it? It's um, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, I think one of the things that I don't like about the scene is that um, it would have been a hell of a lot better to me anyway if um, the scene doesn't end with them, you know, screwing. I think that that's probably yeah. where it's disappointing. Because I think, you know, if you get this whole scene where, you know, she's kind of just displaying her power over him and she's going to get what she wants and then she pulls back, um, you know, and, you, and you, know, you know that it's eventually going to happen, but it doesn't happen in this episode. I think that that's, you know, a much more powerful way to play that. I think that there's kind of no anticipation here. We're just kind of straight into it. And um, I think that that's potentially a little bit disappointing. Yeah, I agree. And it's just... <sighs> Just the way it kind of plays out and just kind of, you know, then obviously, like, he gets on top and pins her down and they have sex and it's like, oh, without a condom too. Like, I mean, Christian, you just had a scare a few episodes ago about possibly having HIV. Clearly, you've not learned. Um, I mean, look, we've all been in those situations before, but it's like, hang on a minute, HIV. Um, like, um, not a good educational point there for people right now trying to, you know, the aspects of safe sex. But, um, you know, we've obviously forgotten at this point about dear old Kimba because she walks in. I do like her line of, guess I'm early. Um, and then, you know, uh, Kit's kind of like, should I go? And then, uh, you know, Christian's like, I'm me again, baby. I'm back. This is where, again, it kind of seems out of place. We've just had all this darkness about harrowing stories about people getting shot in Volvos and reliving rape. And then we've had sexual tension and let's have rough sex before it's kind of like light and fluffy again. Holds out the hand. Let's have a threesome. Um, and, like, let's be honest, this is an amazing scene. <laughs> I mean, this is... <laughs> Rona Mitra and, uh, you know, Kimber making out, taking bras off. I'm not complaining about this scene, but, like, it just feels out of place. Um, it's just, like, oh, I don't know what to say about this because I don't want to hate this scene because, again, Kelly Carlson, Rona Mitra, just, like, getting it on. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know if I can accept how this is because it just it's all over the place. And this is this whole episode. It's it's weird. Yeah, it is. It's, it is a bit of a strange one. Um, it's just, I think probably for me, is it's kind of almost like a box tick, you know, like, um, which is probably the wrong term to be using here. Um, but, you know, it, it it, it does, you know, it almost feels like we've just got to check that box, you know, that, oh, we've had the sex scene and, you know, like it's a, you know, it, it's nip tuck, baby. You know what you're going to get. Um, you know, you've waited a whole year. We're not going to give you the, the premiere without, you know, a, 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 you know, sex scene at the end of it, basically. And, um, yeah, I mean, um, I don't think any, any heterosexual male, um, is, or, 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 um, gay female is going to be disappointed with this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, to me, it just feels, it just feels, 
like predictable is not quite the right word, but it just feels. Yeah, I, you totally saw it coming, I guess, which is predictable. Um, yeah. I do... I'm struggling. Yeah, well, this is this whole episode to me. You just kind of... There's parts of this you're like, oh, like, what What do you make of it? And it's like... To me, I just... I think this episode would fit better in season six because, to me, season six, it has its merits. But to me, a lot of the whole season six is very dark and there's you've kind of lost a lot of that subtle humour that Nip Tuck does well. And not necessarily just subtle humour, the, the humour in general, like kind of the light and fluffy mix with the serious. To me, this episode is 95, 96, 97% serious. There's very few comedic scenes in this episode. And to me, that's a lot of what season six is. And that's where I think it loses a lot of its steam season six. So to me, this would, if this, if this is in season six, I don't know if I'd have as big as, you know, weird vibe about it. Cause you just, it's the overall feel of the season, but considering what we're going to get to and considering how different the next episode is alone to this one, it's, I don't know, like it's just, yeah, I'm going to be interested when we get to our ratings of this one. But anyway, we'll close out the episode here. Cause it'd be mean, basically from this point on it's, it's Sean and, and, um, Julia again. And we're kind of the reverse of before where, uh, Julia now is kind of having second thoughts about the divorce. Um, obviously after talking with the mom and now Christian's obviously, uh, sorry, Sean's already for it and kind of, we've got this whole, will they, won't they? And oh, it looks like they're getting divorced. Um, but you know what I'm going to say? The best damn thing about this scene is of course it's Annie. Uh, <laughs> say the best to last here she is. Um, <laughs> and she, she gets the line of the episode when she's like, mom, you ready to go? No, honey, I don't think I am. And then we get the ring on the table and this weird little fade out. I want the scene afterwards where Annie's like, what do you mean, mum? I've got to go. Like, I want dinner. Like, I'm hungry. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, Annie doesn't get the subtleties of what she means. Like, she's what, eight? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor Annie. <laughs> yeah, she's just going to be completely confused. Yeah, well, again, that's because she is, because she's just the invisible plot device. But, um, yeah, that's the, how it ends. I don't know what you've really got to add on this kind of closing scene between uh, Sean and, uh, and Julia. Yeah, no, I, I think it's kind of. Uh, in some ways, I wish they'd ended, the, the, you know, on the on the Christian, you know, on the on the threesome scene. I think that was probably a better place to end this episode. Um, this this scene kind of feels like it needs to be there, but it feels like it's in the wrong place. So I don't know. It, 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 it's a bit of a downer to end the episode on, I think. Um, and I think coming back, you know, Christian's still alive. Um, you know, I think you probably needed to end on, on something a little bit more fun, which they tried to do in the previous scene. I think that's probably where it should have ended, really. Yeah, no, good point. I, I'd agree with that. Uh, but that's the end of the episode. So this is this is like one of the most intriguing times I can say, what are we going to do with this episode? Are we buying it, renting it, or binning it? Because, again, it's, it's all over the place, this episode. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, in some ways, that actually makes it a lot easier because I think it has to be a rent. I, I, you know, it's, there's not enough in it for me to, to be a buy. Um, it, 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 I think if you were watching this in real time, and you know, I wish I could remember how I felt about it when I first watched it, having waited a year to see it, um, I think you would have had to have been disappointed because I don't think it will have delivered on what you were expecting based on what you saw at the end of the last episode. And I think probably, you know, we when we wrap this whole thing up, we might all be saying that, you know, the finale of season two was was the best episode of the show. I don't, I don't know categorically that I can say that yet, but it's definitely going to be in the conversation. And this is the next episode. And 
unfortunately it just doesn't really deliver in a way that you want it to um doesn't mean that it's a bad episode because i think there is some fun stuff in it too but ultimately um yeah so it's, it's not bad enough to be a bin definitely not but um i'm not sure that um well i know i can't put it as a buy so for me it's actually pretty straightforward it has to be a, a rent yeah this is a very low rent it for me i mean i'm bordering this down close to binnable but i won't bin it um because, like, I think everything you just said there in context is is exactly right. Like, it's kind of... You've got to think that this is coming off the back of arguably one of the best, if not the best, episode of Nip Tuck. So, and when you kind of watch these back-to-back, you really do see kind of the, the, the interesting things that happen here. Because, you know, particularly, like, when we say about the Matt stuff, like, I mean, we've got to get into that next episode, but... Um, yeah, it just it's just it's very interesting kind of how this goes about. We we should point out that um this was the second highest uh rated episode in the history of Nip Tuck. Uh only the finale will top this in terms of most viewers. Uh and again as we kind of alluded to at the end of uh, our recap in season 2, if the the figures are still correct in terms of the history of FX, that makes it the uh second most viewed episode in the history of FX. So um again, I'm sure that's been updated in the last decade, but um yeah, I I find that kind of fascinating to think on the grand scheme of it. So and by by far the finale of this season is a lot better than this episode. So um just kind of thinking if this is how this if you if you're watching this for the first time and you're thinking this is what the season's going to be like, it's not. As we've kind of alluded to, it's very hit and miss. This is definitely a miss. So to me it's a very low rent. Um but I'm not going to bin it. So um yeah, we've still only had the one bin so far. Well- yeah, so I, I think basically this is one of those episodes where, you know, if, if you don't absolutely enjoy watching it, well, then I think the next level down is, is do you need to see it? And I think because it gives you the resolution to what happened at the end of season two is that you kind of need this one in the catalogue. You need to be able to go back and, and see what happened to Christian. So um, it's disappointing when what you're talking about is um, whether you need it versus, you know, as opposed to liking it. But unfortunately, there are some episodes where you need to rent them because you need the information that's in them to make sense of where the story's going. And, and this is one of those episodes that you need to have. And therefore, it, even though it's not the greatest, it has to be a rent. Interesting point, which makes my bin it sound pretty ridiculous from season two but uh, there, there's there's definitely an episode this season at least one that to me right now is a bin by far but um <laughs> yeah uh we'll get to that but um moves us on obviously next week we then move into episode two of season three uh of course it's called kiki um <laughs> which um i mean it, it's a gorilla people oh, it, it's, you know what's really fascinating is that there's another episode involving a primate i don't want to call it a monkey or an ape because clearly they get told off in the next episode about it but i i, I forgot that it was this one like there's another one involving a, a chimpanzee i think it is uh which i was thinking it was this one but it's not so I'm, that's really loosely describing shit but um yeah i i don't mind the next episode i think we kind of go back into actual nip tuck uh we get a lot of matt stuff next episode um, and I mean, the ending is one of the more powerful endings I feel of a Nip Tuck episode as well. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about Kiki cause I think, uh, we've, we kind of, it feels to me that's where we kick off season three is, is the next episode. And, um, isn't, isn't Kiki's partner, um, the, the Kiwi way that you would say Kimba? Uh, Kumba. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think it is. I, th- I think I literally think it is. Um, sure. I don't know if I pointed that. I picked up on that, but uh, I'll make sure just to go back and and see that again. But uh, say that again for me, Nick. How would you say Kimba? 
Cumber. Uh, yep, that's Cumber. Yep. <laughs> Don't want to know what you do with your sheep, but anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's um, <laughs> Kiki. That will be uh, next week. But uh, as always, here, uh, stay tuned to Everything Oz Network. Easiest way, of course, uh, subscribing via iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, depending on whatever you use. Uh, if you're an Apple or an Android user, um, and of course, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We always appreciate any feedback and thoughts along the way. And uh, we've obviously got a bunch of other shows that we cover here, not just Nip Tuck, uh, but we're always uh, happy to provide entertainment with you, at least try to anyway. Uh, But we look forward to our next episode with you. Thank you for tuning in here. My name is Ben, and I'm going to go watch the TiVo. And I'm Nick, and it's me again, baby. I'm back. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.